Welcome back to A Christian and a Buddhist Walk into a Bar. My name is Jamal and I am a Buddhist. My name's Jacob. I'm a Christian. I am Yong. I'm a Buddhist. And he's, he's still here. <laughs> Yong is still here with us. Welcome back to part two of our conversation with Yong, a Buddhist monk who, when we last saw him, was running Grasshopper Yoga Studio. In, well, I've never actually seen him. I'm talking to him on the phone. But when, when Jamal last saw him, he was running Grasshopper Yoga Studio in Melbourne. And you were telling us last episode, Yong, of your... Uh, trips to to Southeast Asia and time in Malaysia and then Burma and Thailand. I think I've got all of the geographies yep. correct. Um, and your experience in that time of uh, deep meditation and, and I guess stillness and peace that um, have then helped you as you've come back to the chatter of existence outside of monasteries in the modern West. Yeah, and and we love that conversation with you so much. We thought we would uh, continue it on. So, um, listeners, if you have not heard the first part of the conversation with Yong, um, we're going to skip over most of what we covered there. So, please just go back one episode and, and listen, and um, and and put up with my bad joke in the middle of that episode. Sorry, it's at the end. You can when you hear the joke come, just press pause, get out while you still can. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but where we last left off, Yong, um, we were talking about. Uh, you coming back to Australia and the kind of the chatter of everyday life, I guess, re-entering and you transitioning into uh, yoga teaching and into running running that business as a as, a, as almost kind of like a middle point of um, uh, between the kind of monastic life and the the life of a of a taxi driver. Um, and recently, actually, um, you you you've you're, you've just taken up a, a new job. Um, that, that you have actually done before uh, for Ajahn Brahm's monastery, but now you're going to do this in, in Victoria. That's almost like a, it's, it's, a, it's another step where it's like it, it's, it's a three-quarter way between being a monk and being, being in the world. Do you want to talk us through that? Yep. Now, when, when for the last 20 years I'm here in Melbourne seeing Jamal and Johnny growing up, uh, of course, by the time you run a very busy life, I, I go around giving massages at offices and go and do a class with Aboriginal elders and then run the evening classes. When you run around here and there, the uh, the stress level has starting to pick up. Mm. Yeah, there's no avoiding for that. Even though I have techniques and ideas to calm myself down, the stress level is almost like those stock market. It just keep on going up. Yeah, You calm yourself down, you go up, but perpetually is going upwards. So to some degree, when I left the monastery, it wasn't more like uh, I had no choice, but I have choice to see my two boys again. So I came back to see them grow that up. That was kind so, of the priority for you at the time. That's right. Yeah. When I was sitting meditation for many months, I know that let's say I continue to forget about coming back to see them. I... Uh, if there's something happened to the kids, I probably would not be at peace myself. Mm. Uh, there's kind of, I think it's a Chinese thing or probably a culture thing. It's a, um, a being a very responsible parent, a father. Well, yeah? and, and even even the Buddha talked about how, uh, you know, you if you want to enter into the monastic life, you need to do it when you don't have other responsibilities, right? Like they, they, that, yes. that is quite quite a common Buddhist practice. It's something we've talked yeah. about a little on the podcast because it's something that I find really uh, intriguing or challenging about Buddhist practice of the idea of non-attachment but then 
still being attached to your family and I, I I view still being attached to your family as a as a good you know a wonderful important part of life but it's also it's still an attachment I, f- I find that strange and you don't need to answer that if you don't want to but it's just an observation and a, a wrestling that I've had with Buddhist concepts depend on what level of uh, uh, commitment you're into mm. me I look at it after living as a monastic uh, monk's life, you need to go all in in a, in a gambling context. <laughs> you need to go all in to believe in past lives and to to attain enlightenment. And that is a very high price when you, if you do believe that you want to go all in and you haven't got enlightenment, you will die longing for all the things that you have missed. All right. Mm. Now, one of the preconditions one of the actually basic teaching of the Buddha, they always say it's a gradual training. So you might put your foot in and then you might put your foot out again. You might put your foot in, you might put your foot out. This is like me, I'm doing now. I put my foot in until the year 2000 and I put my foot out, go all out, looking after my kids and mm. running a yoga business and qigong and massage work. So I have a experience now on both sides, put in and put out. And my stress level is so high to, to some degree, I do not get the uh, long-term peace that I used to have. Yeah, And also, also throughout the years, uh, every year I go back to the monastery, I go to Ajahn Brahm's monastery actually in early 2000 for a six-week retreat. During Christmas time, there's not much business anyway, the <laughs> yoga classes and Qigong classes, not many people uh, running your classes, doing your classes because Christmas and New Year. So for many years, uh, I, I go back to the monastery for six weeks or two weeks uh, just to refresh myself. And, and one year I went to Sri Lanka for, for three, four weeks, I think, uh, for a month just to, you know, sink another month in for, for uh, a monastic lifestyle. And having that experience of putting a foot in, putting a foot out, and given the situation where my kids are uh, uh, all grown up now, they, they all got jobs and they are moving on with their life. Mm. And it is kind of like a, uh, a period for me to reflect. Am I going to continue on with this or am I going to seek for a little bit more? So it's more like if you want to go back to the monastery, you have like for for uh, to me a good simile is for me take just take it taken up this caretaker position in, in end of July in Newbury Buddhist Monastery. It's almost like I'm putting an eighty percent foot in, <laughs> and still twenty hours still coming back here to to you know see my kids and and, and see all my clients that are really happy with my teaching of yoga and things in Qigong. So to me, uh, I have put an eighty percent foot in and twenty percent foot out. And if I'm yeah, hearing, then, if I'm hearing you right, it, it's kind of almost a, a stage of life where you're able to put your foot that much back in again. You, you feel, right. yeah. And, because and the, the caretaker position is, it's you know, it's not a full monastic position, but you're living much of the life of a monastic. That's right. Now you have to realize that the, realize the basic teaching of Buddhism is to, in Ajahn Chah, is to die while you're still alive. It's a pretty scary concept to gain enlightenment while you're still alive so that you actually die. 
the ego is dead. Mm-hmm. So That's a very Christian it, concept as well. Yeah, surrendering to God and something like that, yeah. There's so much similarity in there, but it's just that the practice to me, I, I find that meaning in terms of, okay, if you really want to put on the ropes and become a monk again, you have put your bets 100% knowing that there's going to be a next life if you don't get enlightenment and to cleanse your ego, your mind of all these uh, impurities of uh, uh, the sensual pleasures and the uh, greed and delusion, you you need to meditate much more to, to, uh, to wash it up. Now, the... To me, when I was uh, meditating two and a half years in uh, Southeast Asia, it's more like you've cut the grass, but the, cra- the grass is still growing. <laughs> the, gra- the, grass, the grass keep on growing. You have to go back to the monastery to meditate to keep on cutting the grass so it's under control you know, in, in the context of undermanaged. Now, there will be a stage if you do get a deeper understanding of teaching, you're actually drying up the, the roots of the grass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's a very good simile. And enlightenment is basically the grass and the root is totally gone. It's not going to grow anymore. The the ego, the attachment uh, of wanting the, the the sensual pleasure and things like that. Now I've lived a life both ways in the monastic where there's. Uh, uh, Could I just a, sorry sorry Yong? Could I just interject there for a moment because it's it's just fascinating that language the simile that you were using of the grass because um, we talk often you know of language of spiritual growth and you go somewhere to find yourself and what you're describing here is actually the process of losing yourself in a very yeah. different way and I just I find that interesting because it's uh, like even the the story that you were telling in our last episode of um, kind of your your journey to the monastery, um, it seemed to me that you were almost searching for something, but what you're actually searching for is losing the the ego, even if you yes. didn't put it, even if you didn't know those terms at the time when you were looking for it. Yeah, well, the, the, you want to look at it in the, you don't look at it in a negative way, but some teacher will say healing the ego mm-hmm. as far as that. Because the root cause of your suffering and your samsara, the oceans of samsara, or suffering, is the ego continuously wanting this and that, enjoying the sense of pleasure. Uh, as I say, I've lived a lay life before, I lived the monastic life before. All the sense of pleasure that you have is not going to be satisfied. You're old enough to conclude that. But your heart is not 100% in the monastic because to some degree, there's some deep faith required that, look, if I can't make it to enlightenment, I will have to come back and deal with all the karmic seed that I have, that, that the grass is going to grow again and it will go on another lifetime, another lifetime. And to me, that is the biggest gamble that a monastic person would, would do. We say, I'm, I'm putting all in. I am believing that, you know, Letting go of family or work or what, like to to completely let go of it. You're really trusting that, the almost trusting that the teaching must be correct. Like you have to have a really a, a deep right. faith, a deep commitment to that. Yeah, that's right. It's the same as Christian, the Judeo Christian tradition. Is sometimes we do have doubt whether God exists or not, even though you you claim yourself to be a 
Christian or mm-hmm. Muslim or whatever. But sometimes you have strong faith that God exists. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is that duality that, that our doubt sometimes play in our mind? But from the practice, to me, let's say you don't get enlightenment, at least I enjoy the peace. Mm-hmm. And I've suffered enough in running up and down, doing all the massage work, running, although I enjoy my, my classes and enjoying doing massage work and helping people. But when you're really tired, when you're physically, mentally tired, uh, there's not much joy in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And this is where I think the modern world is leading us with all the technology, the information technology, the smartphone and all stuff, why there is such a huge, uh, I would say, endemic people level of uh, suffering depression or anxiety and things like that is because we are burning our mind like a headless chicken but we don't know how to manage them, and that's why the anxiety and the uh, depression comes along and, and, and haunt us. And, and the worst part of that is that we can be burning that on thing, like not just things that don't matter, but things that don't even bring us joy and, and happiness. Anyway, that's enough social commentary from me. I oh, think- no, we, we, we love social commentary <laughs> from you, Jacob. This is the best. I had actually somebody, a friend of mine, when I was back in Adelaide over Christmas, said that we should talk more about current issues, Jamal. So okay. we'll, well, put, okay. put yeah, well, I mean, we can relate the, the Buddhist, my practice from, because I've lived here for 20 years now, seeing my kids grow up, yeah. working uh, a normal, busy lifestyle and, you know, posting Facebook page, Grasshopper Yoga studio Facebook page and and doing X amount of hours on on, um, changing the uh, website and, Mm -hmm. you know, all this other stuff, campaigning, getting more people to come to the class and all this other stuff. You realize that at the end of the day, when you're drained and when you're tired, because when people demand, oh, can you do this and help me to sort out this back or can you help me to sort out my emotional whatever, I, I do talk to people for free. And I do help them out, uh, either giving while I'm giving massages, help them out to look at things a different perspective. After a while, you're drained, mm. and when you're drained, you didn't, you couldn't get into a deep meditation because I'm starting to conclude now the state of mind that you're in depends on the momentum. They call it undercurrent. If you drift your boat to this direction of the current, which is the modern lifestyle current. It's very hard to come back to the calm that I used to have at the monastery because mm. you, you, the momentum of the current is drifting you to this ocean of samsara in that context of what the Buddhist language is, your, your ocean of suffering. So to be able to, to drift yourself back to the peace that I used to have, you need to reorientate your boat and find a way to drift you back to that current that leads you to the other island a peaceful island, if you want to relate to that. Mm. So in that context, something has to change. If I don't change, I will be exhausted. I'm tired all the time. Keep on looking for sensual pleasure. It's still not satisfying because you're tired physically, tired that all the sensual pleasure of the movies or the scenes or partner. It's just tiring mentally at the end of the day. So I've come to that conclusion why we me uh, kind of like have to move to another level where uh, the energy 
has to be conserved to a level that I can drift it back to the piece that I, I can constantly get. And to me, living a modern lifestyle is just extremely difficult. For me, of course, there are some very rarely people who live in the modern lifestyle can get enlightenment. But also, the monastic also find it hard to get enlightenment, but then it is a potluck, whether you believe it or not. But the, the reality is, I've seen people, when I was in Burma, I've seen people sitting down, uh, we sit five sessions a day, one and a half hour session. This lay person that come from the village, simple person sat there, a few weeks later they sat there, one and a half hour session, went for a break, they came back, they still sat there, and we came back for continuous six hours like a dead corpse, like you're almost given up the body. I mean, it, if if you want proof to that, you can always get some scientists to go and put the ECG machine and, and measure the the mental brainwave and all stuff. Yes. I would almost guarantee they say it's dead. Yeah, but then they're still alive there, meditating, uh, given up control of all the senses, and then work up and move on very quietly. Like, uh, you know, I don't exist. Yeah, so. From seeing that, it gives me faith that there is such a thing called enlightenment. But it's a rare opportunity to be able to see that, where people can sit there for six hours, seven hours, three continuous sessions of sitting. They're still there. And I, I bet if you really put the, the scientific measuring machine there, they would pronounce them dead. So that, that relinquishing of the ego is true, but I don't have it. Now, the problem with the modern world is if you spend X amount of hours, you deserve a certificate, all right? That's how we're being brought up. But in, in this tradition, you might put all in and your whole life in there. You might not have that at the end of the day, but you have to have faith that, okay, next life, I might make it. It's, it's just there's an interesting connection. There's, there's been a bunch of connections we've not picked up on on different aspects of Christian thinking and in, in what you've been sharing, Yong. But um, something there, I, like I would say that if if you know Jesus, especially if you you know live to adulthood, um, not being a Christian, and and you come to faith in in Jesus Christ, that that changes or or ought to change the way that you relate to the world around you and the the way that you live, the things that you value, almost like change the way you listen to the voices i guess um, but it's also a, a similar thing so the the apostle paul wrote somewhere that um if jesus christ was not raised from the dead then we that is christians are more to be pitied than anybody else um and and that was because in the society and the culture that he was living in he was writing he was talking about giving up honor and privilege and serving the poor and uh, ba- you know, basically doing all of these things that were not highly valued and esteemed by the culture around him at the time. But there's, there's almost a similar thing like with, with that leap of faith that you're describing that you know, like you want to have a, the, the, the pull of the culture, the pull of that tide as you were describing on the, the boats of our lives, is so strong that to resist it, you almost have to have a, a deep faith in something else or at least another possibility for, for existing in a different way or the possibility of a different future. 
as well. But I'll put on the point there again when you're actually talking about that. Uh, to me, the enlightenment in the Buddhist perspective would be the same with many other uh, traditions because you're trying to cultivate the spiritual quality of many things like compassion, kindness, generosity, mm-hmm. and all these things which all religion talks about. But which right? don't give but you a return on investment in the marketplace necessarily. It doesn't. It, it cannot give you that return. But then at the end of the day, you get the peace of heart, mm-hmm. uh, a peaceful state of mind and things like that. To me, when you started the meditation journey, you, you, you're picking up bits and pieces of understanding of how this whole mechanics work. I think this one is I thought about it myself in terms of the battery. You know, like in the old days in the battery, there's many uh, nodes and things like that. Sometimes the battery water uh, are down at some other battery, uh, some other holes in the, the, the old battery. Yeah, There are many holes where you can fill in the water. And these nodes, now you've got to fill in every part of it, compassion, generosity, kindness, and uh, forgiving and all this quality that most of religion talk about. If you don't fill up all this little quality of the, the spiritual quality, you won't get enlightenment. That's my understanding now. So to me, when I live as a lay life, I'm very generous. I'm very compassionate. I work hard to, to, to uh, help other people. So I have all this stuff, but I don't have that peace. Mm. I have the exhaustion. So all this other battery needs to charge it up to a max. It's like when you, uh, if you want to have another simulator, when you have a rocket to the moon, it's not just the fuel that you were talking about. We have different type of fuel to be filled up before you can get up. You get what I mean? So to, to shoot your, yourself out into enlightenment, you need all this different type of fuel, the compassion fuel, the kindness fuel, generosity fuel, to top it all up. Then there's a big chance for you to get the enlightenment. Well, you also need like you know food in the rocket. You need metal on the outside of it. There's all these all these other sorts of things that you need as Radio well. Radio is right? helpful. Yeah, yeah. a yeah. map perhaps. And you you need an analogy that's not from like 1975 with batteries and. Oh, we still send people to the moon. Yeah? Oh no, no, it's more the batteries. Well, it's not people to the moon. We have we've regressed. I, I, I just personally had no idea about batteries and having to fill fluid nodes and that oh, I'm taking Yong's word for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Show, showing your age here, Yong. So in, in that context, the uh, when I'm out here, I have some quality, kindness and all this other quality, but I forgiveness and all this quality, but I, I don't have the energy. The exhaustion is actually wearing me down in my meditation. Mm. You understand what I mean? There are many, many spiritual quality that you need to put it to the max to be able to leap into, yeah. And I don't know if you're like me, Yong, but when I'm exhausted, I find it to be, I find it harder to be generous and compassionate as well. That that drains the others. Yeah. When you're exhausted, you also tend to, I'm going to take this cake or for those drinks, (laughs) I'm going to have this beer or I'm going to, I'm going to switch this movie on and, and, and that's not helping. Because that doesn't refresh your energy. Yeah. Now I'm and conscious. Oh, sorry, Yon. Yeah. Go on. I'm conscious that we're like two thirds of the way through part number two of this conversation, and we've not properly got yet to like what an eighty percent monk caretaker 
is I don't know if you've got questions about that, Jamal. Oh, no, I, 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 to be fair, I my, my personal relationship with Yong has let me let me know all about what that is. But yeah, for, for the oh po- well, then, that's for, fine. for the, for the podcast we'll listeners, <laughs> for the podcast listeners, Yong, can you describe kind of I guess what the lifestyle is like as a caretaker monk and like you know, like so when they, the adver- when they advertised the, the job, what, what was the what was the advertised what was the, what was the job description when they advertised it? The caretaker is not a monk; it's, it, it's a, a, a lay person who can live a sensual life, but mm. you have to follow certain rules of the monastic, which they have been uh, put down since the Buddhist time. And you, you do service to the monastics. Uh, the, you got to, if the monks are sick, take them to see the doctor. If uh, you got too much food, take them to give it to uh, homeless people or whatever. And if, uh, some monastics coming from overseas, pick them up at the airport. So, um, but mainly our job is to cook for the monastics when there's no food offering. So every day there's some people will bring the food and there will be some day where no one's bringing the food. So we'll fill in and, and, and do the cooking for them. Mm-hmm. So, and when they retreat, we cook for the retreat. And so, and, and so what what's the appeal for you young in that role is it, it's is it just, i i feel cheeky saying this but it, it like is it just the the serving the monks in the way that you saw the the reverence in your unsw days i'm, I'm guessing it's something different to that like what, yeah, well it's yeah. the energy at the end of the day it comes back to energy mm-hmm. when i'm a caretaker it's not a paid position I, i'm just happy to come back to uh, melbourne here to work for two days teaching yoga and massage and then go back. So it's more like semi-retired. Okay, and so it's, me, a, it's a different balance in your life. Yes. To me, I've understood that if I only work for two days or two and a half days, although the work in the monastery, uh, cooking to me is very easy. I brought up helping my grandmother to cook, so I'm, uh, I'm natural in cooking. So to me, it's more like you've got to conserve your energy to be able to f- pump up your fuel rocket that mm-hmm. you need. All right? Now, if you don't have energy, you're not going to get anywhere. Now, what we have in the modern world is no time for recharge the energy, the battery. All right, even though you're sitting down, you might look at the website and scroll here and there and look at the movie. It's not a recharge. It's a draining of the energy. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, if you're not recharged, the negative energy will always win. Because at the end of the day, this uh, Christian context is a uh, good and evil battle, the duality there. All right. Whenever you're tired, as you say, you tend to be not generous. Yeah. So when you're tired, yeah, when your energy is down, the negative energy always wins. Yeah. And when you want to overcome your negative chatter, you've got to have energy to overcome them and to have the positive energy to overcome that you need to feed that peaceful energy to, to be stronger to overcome that. Is there, is there a Christian analogy to that, Jacob? Like where, where like the devil is more able to influence you if you're, if you're low in energy or, or tired or is that kind of thing? I, I don't know about the low in energy per se. Um, I, I think it, it it strikes me just as a as a truism that 
you you have just less resources and and as i said before it's harder to be compassionate and generous and and to put on the the virtues of love and when you when you're low on energy and bottoming out there there is it's interesting so jesus talks about um coming and casting all of um your burdens onto him um and that's that's actually um talked about in one of the letters as well cast your cares on god for he cares for you um in kind of the the same context of the the devil being prowling and on the lookout for for people and and a big part of christian teaching is teaching on rest um that that rest is good and given to us uh, a, a gift from God for us, but also that the the new creation, the new life, will be one that has this restful quality to it. Um, and I've I've heard that talk about talked about as a like t- having a, a Sabbath, a dedicated day of rest, of switching off or as, as much as we can from that chatter and all of those voices as a rebellion against a culture that says you have to be constantly productive and your values only in what you do and, and all of those kind of things. But in terms of um, specific um, Christian teaching around tiredness and exhaustion um, and that making it difficult to live a, a moral life, whatever that means, uh, not that I'm aware of, certainly off the top of my head. Let's just carries a bit further in, in the context. Let's, let's not talk about just the energy. Let's talk about our our uh, automatic response when we're tired. We have no option as you believe, if you believe in non-self. The way you're being brought up, let's say you are an anxious person and you have a lot of trauma at home. And if you're continuously anxious, as soon as the car comes back from that person who abuse you, you will suddenly starting to have the body shakes and all these other mm-hmm. um, uncontrollable body memory response. Yeah. So if you calm yourself down a lot, you will be able to overcome that. If you don't calm yourself down, you will automatically act the way it is. So whether you are being brought up in a world where with a lot of screen, like the, the gen. The, this generation, they, they're seriously thinking that 70, 80% of this younger generation has got anxiety. Yeah. It is because the perpetual, even you look at the film, in the old days, the film is one uh, section of the film at a time, but now the flipping of the film is so fast that it is draining that energy. Now, when you don't have the calm and peace, you will drift off into your uh, the way you're being brought up, your, your automatic body memory response. Yeah, So the refresh that energy or recharge a good energy, you really need some rest, as you say, uh, Jacob, the restful time. But then if you have the no skill to learn to, uh, to deal with that negative energy, even a restful time can be haunting. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? The worst time mm-hmm. for people who suffer depression is to ask them to meditate in the depth of the depression. It's not the right time to ask them to meditate. Mm-hmm. Because 
the spin of the depression is so huge that when they quiet down, the only thing they hear is the depressed uh, chatter. Yes. And this is, uh, we talked about this, we touched on it on the, the two episodes ago for you, dear listener, um, uh, the, the importance of community in spiritual practice. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like you need a break from the real low points to actually be able to to regain the energy from the rest. Right? Recharge, yeah. yeah. That's and, why and also, being a caretaker has a community there to support you. When I finish tired, two days of work, I come back and the routine is there and mm. will bring you back. I know that because I've done it many, many times. And, and it's difficult to resist that chatter by yourself like your your own experience in the last episode is um of the the meditation and so on that that you did was in a in a monastery like a, amongst a different community who are all living together a different way uh, and and that i think is um something i found really helpful in the the story you've shared yong is that um and actually touching on that question of two episodes ago, Jamal, of the, the thing with theory and practice mm. is is that any any spiritual practice is exactly that. You can have all of the theories, you can have the understanding about the chatter, you can understand the the difficulties we have in a culture that struggles to switch off and we have lots of screens and stimulus and marketing and all of those other things that we could talk about for another half an hour. It's It's one thing to know that. It's a very different thing to be able to to live against that, and I, I would say it's it's impossible to live against that alone. That's right. Mm, yeah, and that's that's a, that's a point on argument. It's the same in my days of being an environmentalist. Now, I mm. I was very angry with the world, McDonald's, multinationals, exploit the rainforest, and as we all stuff. should be. Yeah, and but. When I went back to, to do organic farming with uh, my ex-wife, which is Jamal's mother then, we, we live in a five-acre land in a bamboo house and doing organic farming. We were so firm that we're not going to use any chemical. But because the ideology is so strong, the, the idea was there. But physically, we don't have the energy mm. to just continue cutting on the grass because in Malaysia, there was just raining and grass growing, raining. It, it, the two person is not good enough to cope with the the uh, the grass growing and well, well, cutting well, well, them. Uh, and, and what what you should have done is be like the Christian and the Buddhist that walked into a bar, <laughs> right? And you walk into a bar, right? And and and, you, and there's a crowd of other people, right? crowd of, yes. and, yes. inclu- including a bear, including there's a bear in this bar, right? Weird bar. Now, but see, if you look at that problem, I've I've been to the anarchist and leftist uh, uh, community too. There's just too much argument, too much mm. intellectual argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the way I mean, I don't want to look at it in a negative perspective because I, in my university days, I, I mixed around with a lot of leftist-leaning uh, people. They are very smart and very intellectual, but then there's too much on the head. Yeah. Now, yeah. unfortunately, me, unfortunately, we do have to we do have to wind up. Um, but I, I just just to finish the story about the Christian, the Buddhist, and, and the bear in the bar. Um, yeah. the the bear uh, in the that chair as well the chair as well games, yes yeah. yes um, but the, the the bear in the bar um, really loved yoga right and 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 they were going, oh yeah. is it yogi bear it's a, it's a yogi, <laughs> yoga bear yes uh, and, and so they asked yogi bear why why they love yoga so much and um, 
and and then the bear turned around and was like, oh no, it's a really good chance to pause and reflect. He does this every week, Kyung. Yeah, every week. <laughs> um, no, but I, and I, I, sorry for interrupting. Um, but um, but look, I we, we do have to wind up. Um, but I, we do really appreciate you you coming on. Do you have do you have any kind of final final thoughts, final comments you wanna you wanna put out there? No, that's uh, why, as, as I say, when I take up this position as a caretaker, it's almost like my chapter of life is complete now. I I came back to do my job, look after the kids. Of course, I, I earned some money, bought a property, and, you know, well-known with some community down here in Elfton. But you can give so much. Mm. And as you get older, there are more health issues that you have that you need to come back to uh, explore something that I left behind. Mm. And in my meditation experience, they are some glimpses of moments where I felt it is amazing. And it cannot be uh, grasped. I mean, not in the context of attachment. It cannot be sustained in a modern lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, so to sure. me, I want to put some percentage back mm. to that lifestyle and see if I can balance that. Mm. No. And And... As you say, live happily ever after. <laughs> and and, and, and uh, that is a after, that is a brilliant yeah. note to end it on. And yeah, you know, we want to thank you really sincerely for being our first guest on the podcast. Um, you know that yeah, it, it's it's been a it's been a really great experience. It has been. Thank you so much, Yong, for sharing your story and your your generosity with your time and your reflections. It's, yes. it's been great. Thank and, you so much. And as, as you said last week, you can be found at grasshopperyoga.com or just Sorry. Google. Grasshopper Yoga. Our Facebook page will be Grasshopper Yoga Studio Facebook page. There you go. I, I spend more time on Facebook page. I'm not into Instagram or Twitter. <laughs> See, again, showing your age. Um, but, um, <laughs> yes. we, uh, so we also, uh, we can be found, this podcast can be found at ChristianBuddhistBar at gmail.com if you want to or send us a Facebook message. Or on Facebook as well, but not Instagram. But not Instagram, it's true. Because <laughs> we're, we're millennials. <laughs> showing our age too. <laughs> Uh, the music, Jacob, who's the music by? It is by Kevin McLeod this week and every week. Thank you, Kev. Uh, and if you have liked this episode, please share it with some friends, uh, pass the message along, and we will hopefully see you again next week. 